Hello, everyone, and welcome to Impact Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Daria Tiesler. It's a beautiful day to record this podcast and beautiful topic, mindfulness and our children. Topic that we should discuss, notice and be aware of much more than we actually do. Amanda Ashi is yoga teacher, naturopathic nutritionist and mindfulness coach, and she specializes in family nutrition and family mindfulness practices. An improvement of children's behavior, children's ability to learn and cope with day-to-day life. But as the conversations go on, we must ensure that we as parents are also doing our part and also working on ourselves because whatever we are pushing on our children, they really take in. They take in very deeply inside and that stays in them. It is not digest on emotional, physical and mental level. So once again, I would love to invite you to this beautiful conversation about children, brain and happiness. Amanda, hello and thank you so much for joining Impact Wellness Podcast. Hello, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Uh, Listen, Amanda, because it is a wellness podcast, just let me know in a few words what does wellness mean to you? Uh, To me, wellness is, um, it's, it's a whole body approach. So there are pillars to wellness. Not, it's not just one thing that we can do to achieve well-being. Um, It's nutrition, it's movement, it's sleep, and really importantly, it's taking care of our mental and emotional health as well. I think that's oftentimes forgotten in the wellness picture, although it's becoming more of a talking point and more of a priority, especially for mothers. Right, yes, so many good points. I think we could... uh tear this definition apart and focus on mothers, focus just on well-being uh, in terms of emotions, in in terms of our physical uh, health. Uh, So amazing uh, that you share with us this uh, nice um, and descriptive descriptive, uh, definition of wellness. I really would love that you share with us and with me as well, once again, what actually inspired you to uh, work with kids and you so much loudly, very loudly talking about mental health uh, of kids, importance of taking care of them. You also practicing yoga. Um, How this went for you? How did you end up doing what you're doing today? Yeah, you know, I I used to work in television. I was a producer in factual television, and I found myself having so many conversations about um, fatigue, you know, lack of energy, sleep problems with all of the crew members. And um, and I was a vegan at the time, and my I was obsessed, really passionate about food. So. I did a career change because um, it became such a big part of my life and I started studying nutrition. I did a three-year 
course, diploma course in nutrition. I'm qualified as a naturopathic nutritionist. And I started working with children and families primarily to help modify behavior patterns around food, but also um, within the home. And I found very quickly that although nutrition and, and some lifestyle interventions were great, it wasn't the whole picture. And so then I trained as a mindfulness teacher and I trained as a yoga instructor for children. And I feel like combining the three of those really allows the parent and the child to um, achieve their goals, to have more success in um, whatever it is they're looking to work with within the individual child. And with children, I, I, I've always had um, a propensity to connect with children. Um, I, I just think they are the purest form of love and um, the, they're the future. And so it's really important for me to, with my children and children across the globe, to um, see them be the best versions of themselves. Yes, if, you, if someone asked me, why do you have people on your podcast who talks about children, children's health, mental health, their well-being, um, it's exactly what did you say, because I do believe that children are our future. Outside of me being passionate in training and sports since young age, um, so definitely there is some form of connection because uh, I do think that sports mm, to that not extend level of professional sport is uh, really shaping their behaviors, their attitude, their resilience, courage. And my all brothers and sisters were doing uh, sports in um, less and more, but I believe that sports was helping us and or me and them to kind of go through life because it's teaching you these skills, right? So I, I do agree with you. That is the reason you are here because for me, wellness is wellness of family, wellness of relationships, wellness of parenting and connection with children. It's just going beyond uh, physical body. So when we are talking about mindfulness for children what do you mean through, through that what audience has to how do we connect with this description i know it's such a boring word <laughs> I, wish, I wish there was a different word for mindfulness because the positive benefits that we see especially in children when they start learning about mindfulness um, is immense um, but this word is it, you know, some people think it has a religious connotation, which it doesn't. Um, and, and it's just kind of boring. Um, but basically what mindfulness is, is it's working with the brain. It's working with the brain, the mind, and the body because they're all connected. And um, when I teach mindfulness to children, the first thing we do is we learn about the brain, specifically four parts of the brain that we work with to try to strengthen and grow. It's like mental exercise, mental fitness um, in our practices. And, and we demystify what's happening in the body and in the mind um, through science. So it's not, it's not 
you know, this mindfulness practice that I teach, it's not associated with any religion at all. It's really grounded in science. Um, but there is an element of going internal because it's all about you as a, as a unique individual. So you do go internal and anytime you go internal and connect with yourself, connect with your heart, then there is a, there can be a spiritual element to it. Um, so, but yeah, kids love learning about the brain. They're fascinated with how their mind works. And that's what we do. We train the mind to change the brain. Yes, is that not funny that we, at school, we learn all about our physical body. We learn also about our brain the, uh, in our biology class or later on in physiology, physiology class, but we never learn to understand how those two things connect and that how do they support us later on in life. Um, so that is great that you're doing this uh, job and I agree with you, uh, mindfulness, uh, um, maybe for me it's not that it's boring, but I think it's again as every single word is overused and then we're losing um, meaning of that word right? Because it's used everywhere, right? It's the same as health, the same as wellness, the same like fitness. And then we're putting everything in one box and all sounds uh, very similar. What are the benefits of mindfulness? Can we discuss that a little bit more? There are benefits on the brain, but what exactly mindfulness for children can do? How can it help them to grow and develop? So many things. So one of the main reasons why schools are interested in bringing mindfulness into um, their curriculum is because it helps with focus and concentration. So um, it increases attainment, but also it helps us to understand, it helps them to understand their big emotions. And so it can help them manage um, behavior, classroom behavior a little bit better by using these very simple mindfulness techniques. Um, with children, they learn about how, what part of the brain helps them to focus and concentrate. And when we're focusing and concentrating in the present moment with what is directly in front of us, we are able to make better choices. And when we make better choices for ourselves, then we're able to do our best. So ultimately it can bring more confidence in. Um, so there's so much, you know, about working with the very specific part of the brain, the frontal, prefrontal cortex, which helps children build confidence um, and create empathy. Um, and then we have a whole section that I teach on thoughts and what mm -hmm. are our thoughts and the power of our thoughts. You know, there are children as young as, you know, eight, 10, even younger who struggle with really um, damaging thought processes and they think those thoughts are real and they think those thoughts define who they are but what we teach with mindfulness is that our thoughts aren't facts they're always changing and they don't define us and our thoughts are either um, a fear response or based in love and really that's what it comes down to it and um and so it's just learning when we're in a fear reactionary mode or when and how to come out of that if we are, how to help pass those thoughts along, come back into the present, 
into a more grounded place so we can respond to what's actually happening in front of us. I, I have to ask this question um, just because in the situation we are in, in regards COVID, it's not that every single children and parents should know about this beautiful practice because of what is happening, right? Children going with masks, they separated they, from their uh, friends, they doing all work online. That is very weird situation for them, right? What, have you got any kind of like a tip for a parent who has this squeeze in the situation and is observing that children are, or child is not coping, right? What would you tell them how, in a simple way, what they could do without even communicating with anyone? How can, how they, as a parent, can empower their children to work with mindfulness? You know, um, if, if, a, if a child or an adult isn't coping, it's oftentimes because a part of their brain, their amygdala, their fight or flight response, their fear response is um, controlling the situation. And in order for us to come out of that part of the brain and into our more rational part of the brain, the frontal lobe, we, we can do some really simple practices. And it doesn't change overnight. That's the thing is, it's a practice, just like learning how to ride a bike or learning how to skateboard or um, do art. So starting with awareness of the breath is the, the best first step that we can take. And there are apps and there are exercises that I give to children to do this, but focusing on the breath helps for two main reasons. One, because it's a focus and concentration exercise. So you are placing your attention on one thing, the body and breath for an extended period of time. So you're automatically activating that frontal lobe, but also using the breath helps to um, work with your nervous system um, and your heart and your brain. So it sends messages when you slow your breath down or when you're conscious of your breath, that means that you're not in a dangerous life-threatening situation so that means you, 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 you're sending a message to your body and brain that you're not um, being chased by a saber-toothed tiger from an evolutionary standpoint, for example. So your body knows that it's safe and then it, that um, the amygdala reaction can start to um, slow down and we can start to come back into the present moment, into reality and focus on what is right in front of us. So breath, right. breath awareness, breathing breath. exercise. Right. So how would this exercise would look like if you had parents now in front of you, how they would be able to teach children breath? Yeah. So, so many ways. So the parents um, also, our child, our child will adopt our energy state. So our nervous system is their nervous system. So if we can be calm and relaxed while, and hold this safe space for them, and breathe with them, that's amazing, especially to start off with. And including some sort of tactile element is good too. So you could do figure eight breathing, um, where you draw a figure eight on their hand as you um, breathe in and breathe out. So you kind of connect the rhythm of your breath 
with the movement of your hand. And then you've got touch, which is very nourishing and calming, plus your breath. Um, starting with children and you know, to give them something really to focus on, the first breathing exercise I like to give children is counting breaths because the mind won't wonder so much. Placing a hand on the belly, counting your inhales for 60 seconds. Uh, and then starting with that, those are two great ways to, to sort of bring focus and awareness and also um, an element of calm into the body. So first one would be drawing a, a, a number eight on their hands, right? And yes. the second one would be just placing hands on, the child is placing hands on the belly and is just count, counting the numbers of the breath yeah. to connect with yes. themselves. Exactly. Because when you place a hand on your belly, then you can really find your breath. You can really feel it coming into your body, which is extremely helpful for children because it gives them something to connect to. Yes, beautiful. And uh, children are just amazing. Uh, now I have my, my daughter, so it's uh, great also exploring all of those practices. Uh, I've been trying on adults also on her. And they're so amazing and they're responding so naturally. And they definitely drawn to natural environment. And when you mentioned that their nervous system is connected to our system, it's just so true because every time I breastfeed my daughter and she's lying on my belly and I take a breath in and breath out, sometimes we are doing 447 breathing or 447 um, breathing. Right? I can see how ultimately she's calming down and she's like in her own calm energy uh, as you uh, said um yeah that's why i said at the start is a is a beautiful discussion about parenting as well conscious parenting and the conversation about how they can change to support their children how their journey has to grow and develop as well right did you want to say something amanda um, I heard you mention the four seven, um, which yes. is al which is also a, a great practice to do because um, a longer exhale. So you breathe in for four, and you breathe out for seven, and that yes. longer exhale will stimulate our rest and digest and take us out of fight or flight. So it, it's great to extend. It's difficult for children to do that, but for adults, it's a great practice. Children, it yes, might I be think more like two, three, two in, three out, or three, four. Yes, even I think for adults, doing four, seven is difficult. It's not only for <laughs> yeah. children, because often, uh, you know, people I meet, and myself at the start, um, I couldn't hold breath that long. You just want quickly exhale and take longer uh, breath uh, in. And as you said, it's all about practice, and it's a time, it's you learning some new skills that then you apply uh, into your life. I've got a question in regards embodiment in practice with children, because I saw on one of your posts, um, I think it was, you were describing the uh, brain health and there were some pillars of health. You were talking ab about embodiment. Why is that important? Um, so it's really important for us to realize that we have a body and that it, our body is always in the present moment. First of all, so anytime you're traveling, you know, with your thoughts into the past or into the future, you come into your body and you're automatically coming into the present moment. 
Um, but also we, um, we hold, we hold our emotion. So our emotions, right? So it's, it's, um, our, it's affect that comes out of our body. And if we're not able to process that or release it in the moment. So for example, maybe a child is in class and they get um, called on to answer a question. They don't know the answer of the question. And so they get really embarrassed and shy and they want to cry, but they can't. So they're, they're storing that in their body and it's not being processed. It's not being metabolized, so to speak. Or if, if they're told off or chastised in class and, and that's really embarrassing, or if on the playground, someone says something really hurtful or unkind to them, all of these emotions, if not let out, expressed and processed are stored in the body. So when you do embodiment practices, you can bring up and release these stored emotions without even thinking about it. So whereas in something like therapy or a social emotional lesson where you talk about things and work through it through dialogue plus practice, embodiment is more about just uh, releasing through movement, breathing, that sort of thing. Yeah, which, which is very important uh, first because child, as you said, is not going to store this energy, it's going to process and it's going to, I guess it's not getting blocked and it's then building this negative um, subconscious experiences which then later can affect his adulthood, right? This is all the stories that we are always in our journey coming back what's happened with us in the past and then we have to unravel this and that is very difficult because it's, this is very deeply rooted in us. So uh, I really would love that we all and yourself, myself and parents that are here are very aware that we can help them to be happier adults just by listening here what you're saying, Amanda, and helping them uh, embody those, uh, those emotions. But here is interesting hook. When children experience this situation, and I think this situation that you uh, described is very common. I've experienced by myself similar situations when I was a child. Then child come back home and often is that simple dialogue how are you doing how are things going i'm fine right there's no answer mm -hmm. right and we make mm -hmm. sense as parents that there is something going on but the child is already blocked how can we as a parent go or yeah, go into that child and support them to express this emotion because maybe it's not always a, a role of teacher. Maybe it's a role of parent once the child comes home. Yeah, and I think the best way to support our children to understand their thoughts and feelings and process their emotions is to mirror it. Um, for us to really be connected and in tune with ourselves and to show them that it's okay to express sadness. It's okay to practice self-care. Um, it's okay to have boundaries and it, it's okay to um, speak about how we're feeling. I think with, with a child, 
mirroring that behavior is probably the most effective way to have them start to realize that, um, that they can pay attention to those emotions when they come up and they can express them how they need to, when they need to. But yeah, children, they forget so easily what happens in their day, don't they? Um, and so they, they won't come home and say, oh, I, I, I was embarrassed at school because I was the last one to finish my math quiz, you know? Um, yeah, so I think hold, holding uh, that space for when they need to and mirroring to them through example. I, I don't know this, and I'm asking from curiosity. Maybe you know the answer. Uh, if you don't, that's fine. We're going to try to find an answer. You said that children very quickly forgetting about their experiences, let's say at school, but they forgetting only on that physical level. This memory will stay with them, is it? Or if is touching them, it's embarrassing, it's creating some, uh, like, um, how, the, the base of what they are becoming, if that makes sense, right? Or yeah, if they yes. just forgetting and this is not going to affect them in the future because some thoughts and patterns we're just getting from our past. Yes, so everything will be dumped into the subconscious mind or the unconscious mind. And 95 to 97% of the choices we make are made from the subconscious unconscious mind. Um, so it's in there. It's in there for them to access at a later time, uh, which is why metabolizing it or processing it through embodiment is so important because that's how it can come up. And we don't even know. Sometimes it just comes up and it leaves and we don't even have to pay attention to it. Um, and, and finding ways to be in the present moment, using our conscious mind as often as possible is really helpful as well. And, and when you start teaching this to children at six, seven, eight years old, then it's a practice that they'll have forever because again, that's getting planted into the subconscious mind for them to access at a later time. So some of the work that I do with kids, you know, I can, one-to-one -one work is different. You can see changes uh, by like week four or five. The work that I do with, in the classroom, you know, you might not see um, results immediately, but you know that it's going in and maybe 20 years from now, they'll have a moment where it's, it comes up and they can access it. That's, that's yeah. the hope, right? Planting thank, seeds. Thank you so much, Amanda, for explaining and um, uh, confirming and reassuring that in a good way and bad way, anything that our children experiencing as a children is staying inside, right? It's not that this is just disappearing somewhere. Yes, you said certain things may be digested, and I believe that that's depending also on the constitution of the children or child, if I can name it, of the environment that they are growing, of attention that they are getting from parents. But we want or we don't want, we have to live with self-awareness as a parent and um, don't just letting things come in or 
and that's what I'm talking from lack of probably consciousness from parenting. Oh, they don't want to remember. That's very often parents saying, oh, they won't remember. They're too young. They do. They will remember. And why I say this also, Amanda, because uh, my daughter, uh, right, she, uh, she speaks, um, she was born in England. And, you know, I'm Polish. My husband is uh, Spanish. And uh, I never thought that actually her first language becoming English, that's weird. Because I do believe she, she mixed so much English and, um, and Spanish. Polish is much less because uh, she just uh, hears much less Polish uh, right now. But um, certain words coming from where, her, and you know, she speaks in very nice English. She speaks with good accent. Actually, we're learning from her. And I do believe because I was in England while, while I was pregnant, I was working with people surrounding speaking that language. She just speak while she was in my belly, right? Because neither me, neither my husband uh, speak to her uh, English. So all stays. That's why also this prenatal mindfulness and whatever we do while we are pregnant and before we are getting pregnant it's so important right there's anything you can add uh, into that mindfulness practice when mother is pregnant or when mother you know trying to think of having a baby yeah so you know when when the child is in the womb it it very much will adapt to the mother's environment so the mother's nervous system because it's basically receiving signals um, so it knows how to prepare itself for when it comes out into the world. And there are some, there are some studies that have been done where, um, you know, babies in uh, high stress environments are born with higher cortisol levels um, already. Uh, and so we know that the basically, especially in the later, the later stages, um, third trimester, eight, eight months, nine months on, um, the, the nervous system and the stress response of the mother, just like the, the child adopts the, basically the same gut microbiome as the mom, they will take on the nervous system as the mother as well. So having a mindfulness practice and having um, that self-awareness to try to reduce your stress response or your fear response, it could be so beneficial for when the baby comes out and experiences its first year in, in, of life. Yes, so much uh, can be done right before baby actually come to prepare them for the best, obviously, um, struggles are okay that's part of life that's why they go in during the labor through the uh, uh, when they are naturally born right and uh, they have to go through this difficulty that is like life right and uh, obviously i i really would love and encourage more women to have natural birth but i know that there are always uh, certain circumstances that women choosing um this way or another way which is another podcast and another conversation um but one way or another way you can do a lot um with mindfulness practice my last question amanda is what would you tell to a parent 
who hear this conversation, I said, oh, you know, I may try, I'm not sure, I'm hesitating, I've got too much ego, I'm very good parent, nothing is my fault, but I see, see my child need help. How, what would you tell to that parent, how they can support themselves and start to practice mindfulness with their children? The most important thing is to stick with it because you might start and it might feel really boring or you might feel like it, you're, it's really hard because you have a busy mind and a busy body and it's really hard to sit and focus on your breath when your mind is busy and your body is busy, but stick with it and, um, and just continue the practice and bring movement in. If, if it's too difficult to sit, that it's one of the hardest things to do is to sit and meditate with only your, your body and mind and your breath. It's so difficult. So start with movement, start with embodiment practices or mindful movement practices, because um, that helps to connect your mind and body through breath as well. That's the bridge, your breath. And, and then you can transition into more, um, I guess, slower mindfulness practices, but just don't give up, you know, it, it, give it, you know, four to six weeks and you will start to see improvements for sure. Right. And if you improve a little bit, gut microbiome also, <laughs> right, with a good quality probiotic and obviously healthy and nutritious, um, nutritious food. Amanda, um, just probably one important uh, question and um, we'll have to wrap it up because I know you're busy and thank you so much anyway for your time. Um, because it's about children. Are there any contraindication for mindfulness practice for children? So um, I think that if there's a lot of trauma, a lot of childhood trauma, there you because it's a lot of internal work. Proceed with caution, you know. And in in the classroom, anytime we're doing lessons around family or um, you know things like that, there's always safeguarding protocols. So because it is a practice with the thought, with thoughts and feelings and going internal can bring up a lot, just be aware that some emotions might come up and that's okay. You know, um, holding that safe space and, and just allowing the experience to be what it is and not trying to fix it is the best thing to do. And mindfulness, just to remind, remind for everyone, is, Amanda, what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is basically just another word for noticing, for paying attention, paying attention to our thoughts and feelings, which means paying attention to our mind, body, and brain. Beautiful. I ask you that because um, maybe parents won't listen to the other podcast about mindfulness and then they jumping into mindfulness podcast, they won't know what is, uh, what that, type of practice is about. Amanda, so beautiful, so short, so uh, go straight to the point. I really love it because I do believe um, people need to understand uh, this in that simple uh, way to be able then to apply it and practice, right? We don't want to bring too much 
to already very complicated and long and boring world, <laughs> as you said, right? Uh, how can we hear about you, Amanda? Um, so I am, you know, I have my website, amandaashyboyd.com. My Instagram is Amanda underscore Ashy. And I have an online social emotional literacy course. So it's seven modules called Grounded Little Minds. They're about um, 10 to 15 minutes each lesson. And it comes with a, a digital workbook that parents can download. And so this is a great introductory course for children and parents around mindfulness, social emotional well-being. And they learn all about the brain and the mind, the breath, their thoughts and feelings, positive affirmations, gratitude. Um, so if someone's interested over the summer holidays in doing a little bit of um, emotional wellness work with their children, they can buy Grounded Little Minds. And I, I'm always providing free content on my social channels. And, um, and I do one-to-one -one work with children as well. And do you work online or you work, you go into the classroom? How does it look your practice uh, right now? I work in schools, but I also work face-to-face -face and online. So I work with children from all over the world. Okay, I hope uh, all parents were uh, in tune with what this amazing person was uh, teaching us today. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much again for joining. It was uh, my pleasure. We've been trying to put this podcast for a while now and for different reasons unknown for us. We couldn't, <laughs> but today we're talking. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really love talking to you. Thank you for having me. Yes, you're doing an amazing, fantastic job for all of us and um, for all parents and uh, children. And thank you everyone for listening Impact Wellness Podcast. Stay tuned and look after yourself. Take care.